Welcome to The Appetite, a podcast that asks more from life in regards to relationship with food, body, movement, and mental health. We're mental health professionals from Opal Food and Body Wisdom, an eating disorder treatment program in Seattle, Washington. I'm your host, Carter Umhow, a therapist, artist, and writer. Today's episode is unique in nature because it was recorded immediately after Opal co-founders Julie Church, Karabazi, and Lexi Giblin returned from a weekend away at the Muse Conference in Bend, Oregon. The Muse Conference is an interactive yearly gathering of women and teens to celebrate the kickoff of International Women's Day and Women's History Month. Julie, Kara, and Lexi were so deeply touched by the stories and lectures they heard from various social activists, artists, authors, athletes, and entrepreneurs that they wanted to jump straight into conversation right here on The Appetite to share their experiences. I initially came into this episode knowing very little of what to expect, but found myself in a very intimate, beautiful space with Julie, Kara, and Lexi as they reflected on their lives as leaders and how their own hearts are growing. Thanks for stepping into this space with us, too. So you all were out of town for the weekend. Where where were you? What were you guys doing? We just got back from Bend, Oregon. We went to the Muse Conference, which is uh, a conference for female leaders and entrepreneurs and artists that are creating mm. social change, both locally and all over the globe. This was really a neat experience for the three of us because typically when we're out at conferences, we're going to conferences within the eating disorder field. And I think all three of us were ready for something different. And I think we knew that this could be great timing to be inspired in a different way. We heard about the Muse Conference through actually a podcast of Dr. Melody Moore, and who's a psychologist that does body image work. And Lauren Fleshman, who is an athlete in Bend, Oregon, and she's a she was a professional long distance runner. They had talked about the how the two of them had met at the Muse conference. My ears perked. Okay, I need to go to the Muse conference in order to meet these two women. That it's that this might be the way I can. So we looked it up, and it just you know it was we hadn't heard of it before. But wow, what an incredible, 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 incredible thing that these 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 women in Be- local women in Bend have created. So they have different themes. I think it was, this is the sixth year they've put on this conference and the the theme this year was in this moment. And so it was the idea to kind of pause and take in the change that's occurred and things that have happened with our new administration. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, rem- I mean, one of the things that was highlighted to me is that they talked about having marginalized people at the forefront of this conference for social change to happen, right? So it was one full day of, gosh, what was it, about 20 wow. different presentations, just 15-minute presentations of a keynote or interview or panel. Video. Videos, so, art, yeah. um, performances. Yeah. And did all of those keynote speakers feel like they centered around one theme, or was it highlighting just you're so, a woman? All social change. Okay. Yeah. Social change and activism. Yeah. Okay. So but it, different, every, yeah, different, different types platforms, of platforms, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. I mean, one of the talks was about menstruation and having women in Kenya specifically talk about their periods and how they can get the sanitary pads and towels that they need to keep hygiene well and just what's the education and how can it be talked about more among the women in Kenya. And so giving voice to women there to talk about who they are and how they can continue to get the education that they deserve. Anything from that to talking about... Travel was another topic. Mm -hmm. There were two different people that did come um, and have 
organizations online that help women travel all over the globe, one specifically for women that are racially diverse and ethnically diverse, and just talked about the unique challenges for them. I'm the founder of the Me Too movement. Yes. I saw an interview with oh, her. Wow. Yes. Mm-hmm. Wow. And then they brought in, I mean, probably the more the most impactful person they brought in to me was an 11-year-old Palestinian girl who is part of Israeli-occupied Palestine. And she is a journalist at 11 years old. Wow. And she, her whole mission is to expose what's happening in Israel or in Palestine, specifically with children detainment. Mm. And I mean, just you fall in love with this girl. So we watched a documentary that she was featured. And then she was actually supposed to come into the conference to have a QA, and a But she's now on a watch list because of what she's done um, to expose in the media. And so she wasn't able to travel to the U.S. So we got a Skyper in. So she was literally sitting in her house in Palestine at like three in the morning on her Skype talking to all the people in the audience. Wow. And I mean, That's just amazing. you fall in love with her. Yeah. She's incredible. Yeah. And one of her taglines is cameras, not guns, mm. because she's always using a little camcorder and she's videoing night raids when people come into her home or out when they're protesting in a very, very, very peaceful. Peace resistance. Right, just walking, they, peace resistance yeah. movement. And so they're out Every Friday as a family with their cousins and aunts and uncles and they're just waving the flags and she's videoing what's happening. And then that's what is getting out to be able to have some of the truth of how Mm -hmm. the Palestinians are being treated and and the way that the Palestinians are actually behaving because there's so much belief that they're all armed with guns and all dangerous. And so there's such a beautiful um, picture of, of who else is also there and who else are also trying to make change in such a peaceful way. That's remarkable. Uh, There was another woman there from South Africa who is doing a lot of the travel and advocacy for, you know, just getting the word out about the detainment of these kids. And I was asking specifically about food in the prisons. And we learned she didn't know necessarily. I asked specifically, well, how much does it cost? Because the children in the prisons, actually, the families have to send money to the prison to pay for the food. So the kids go to this canteen like to go and buy their food at mealtime. And so there are many of the kids that don't have money coming in so that then they aren't eating. But I was just like, okay, well, how how much? Like I'm so I'm so mm. I'm so curious because I was talking to Nadia was the woman that was um, the South African that was doing some of this um, representing and communicating about really what's going on on the ground there. So we got to physically meet her, um, and she's an art therapist, and she uses is using art therapy to reach those kids. And I just I she was able to talk about the psychological pain of the trauma they're experiencing day in day out and the ongoing because it's not just one thing that happened when five years ago. It's a literally ongoing thing for them. And I was like, and Nadia, if they are not being fed, this is giving them a physiological trauma every day also. And what is that setting them up for in terms of their relationship with food and their body and their overall health overall? And I just was, oh my goodness. Yeah, we'll have a link to her at the end of this episode, but you can follow Jana, who's the 11-year-old. Her name is Jana Tamimi. And we'll have a link because that's another way that we can create change. That's what she said. Yes. We, a lot of people ask, well, what can we do in America? Mm-hmm. What can we do? And she, she said, pass on this word. And then <laughs> the art therapist I was talking about, Nadia, yeah. has started a foundation called Two Sons Shamsun. And we'll have the link for that as well. Wow. So, wow. That's a remarkable story. Right? Yeah. So I think, you know, we've been focused <laughs> the last six years so much on Opal and kind of what's in front of us, um, trying to grow our business and stabilize Opal. And we 
this weekend we kind of saw beyond yeah, the, so like the immediate issues at hand in our in mm. our day-to-day lives and saw more of the world and connected with our own social justice efforts mm-hmm. at right. Opal and saw there's so much <laughs> that we're doing that aligns with um, our values and our passions mm-hmm. and connected with these other women who are doing the same mm-hmm. and looking beyond Seattle, looking beyond and and more broadly into the mm-hmm. right international community. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And seeing, I think throughout so many of these places, seeing resilience. And I think about that when we are serving our clients at Opal too, of just, okay, what, where is there a way to build what skills are needed and what relationships and what structures and what understanding is of oneself and beyond is building that resilience and just seeing so many different scenarios and and different tools and different ways that people are building that resilience. So that was really, I think, a good parallel. So, Lexi, you said that it kind of connected you guys to the social justice efforts that you feel like you're already kind of connected to. Can you speak more to the specifics on that? Yeah. So we, I mean, I think we've realized that we are, we're a for-profit business, but have a not-for-profit heart. Mm. And we make, as business owners, we're making decisions that are more aligned with our social justice concerns than like business interest a lot of a lot of the time. And, you know, our mission, our vision is to contribute to a world where all are able to live fully with security, freedom, attunement and connection. And that certainly those ideas um, certainly overlapped a great deal with um, the community at Muse. And yes, we're focused on body image and eating mm-hmm. disorders, but body image and eating disorders are connected to all kinds of factors in the world <laughs> and connect up with well-being and access to resources and mm-hmm. and so- social justice concerns. Mm-hmm. One one of the questions that was asked to one of the panelists uh, was, "What? How are you considering your legacy, or what what legacy are you looking to leave um, now that you have these businesses?" There was these three women on the panel, and one of the things that we talked about was just we saw all of these amazing women up on these stages and doing these creative things. And I think I just think, oh, like the legacy is that my client's daughters and even the clients that are going through PHP and have have benefited from being able to have an experience of community and treatment and care at Opal, that they then get to be this artist, this teacher, this businesswoman, this mom, like that was one of the things that I, I, I connected to too of going okay. So, it still is within this treatment model that, I, in some ways, might not sound so sexy. Like, oh, they're doing eating disorder treatment and it's brick and mortar. Like, there's so much stuff that sounds so much more exciting when you go to a conference like this. I think mm-hmm. that are doing, you know, the tech startups and all this stuff. But it's like, oh wow, yeah. I, I just feel really impacted by the thought that okay, I it was it was a, a reconnecting to. There, there are people's lives that have been changed um, by that and that there's, there's even kids, like offspring already, right? Um, and I think that's, it's been good to be reminded of that. So, yeah. yeah. I know, I think one of the things we wrestled with is the privilege, some of the privilege issues, right, of, of access to care with higher level of care, eating disorder treatment and how there isn't access to care for, for low SES populations or maybe... <clears throat> some of the, some groups that would have difficulty receiving treatment, right? Mm-hmm. So that's something we've wrestled with yeah. for years, always. Yeah. always. Yeah. And and yet, like Julie is saying, I think there is, we also can connect with by helping the people that we are able to help, 
we're freeing up, hopefully through their own transformational healing, they can be well enough to impact more people, right? So, so even if we're not directly being able to access all people, Mm um, by, you know, by, by helping someone heal, they might then be able to go internationally and help serve a marginalized population or some, or a, a group of people that aren't able to access treatment <laughs> or mental health services. Mm-hmm. Right. But that, that, I mean, that was difficult, continues is, to be difficult yeah. to reconcile ourselves yeah. with. Like even mm-hmm. their idea of this conference of putting the marginalized people at the center and how, what do we do as a business ourselves with um, our field being so predominantly white and predominantly female. Us being white. Yes. Yeah, there's that. <laughs> there Us is being that white. Very Us being thin. Thing. Us yes. being, you know, like a lot of part of privileged. Right. A privileged yeah. population. Yeah. And working in the eating disorder field as well, it I think it's always really surprising when other people hear my excitement around social justice as it relates to eating disorders too. I don't think that people necessarily put those two things together. Mm-hmm. You can think a little bit about like weight stigma, but all of the other issues, like you guys were saying, um, with socioeconomic status and I mean the amount that is internalized in a body that then is manifested in an eating disorder is, I mean, it's absurd. Yeah. <laughs> well, we're talking about human suffering, mm-hmm. you know, and, and so then I think about it from that perspective, we're, right. we're addressing human suffering, one expression of human suffering that often has a lot to do with trauma, mm-hmm. um, loss and anxiety. Social, yeah. And so, and all, the, all that's connected to those experiences. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And how to take in what it means to be in the world and how you, <clears throat> excuse me, how you literally digest that in your body or choose to figure out how to take the world in through your body or not take it in or, you know, all the metaphors that are there when you're a relational being um, taking in oppression or taking in abuse and, yeah. you know, you try and figure out a way to control that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you said earlier, one of you said earlier, I can't remember who it was, but that this was particularly good timing to go. Can you all speak a little bit more to that? Because clearly it struck such a chord, the Muse Conference did, but what does the timing in particular mean for you all? I can start with that. I think like the six years in of our business and just kind of hitting a place where we're not no longer, we're kind of in a more of a stable flow and kind of looking at as, as business leaders of our company, like what's, what's next? What are we, what's our longer term vision? What are we, what are we about? And we're all able personally, I think we could talk each, we could talk more personally, but I think Mm -hmm. in the kind of the big, Mm -hmm. the bigger picture of the three of us, uh, I think there's just like more space to be inspired or (laughs) does that feel, Mm -hmm. feel true of just it's less the day in day out. How do we pull this off? Totally. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I think each of us have a unique piece in all that that we could each speak to. Yeah, but at least yeah. do. Well, I mean, this, the Muse Conference comes at a really difficult time in my life where um, there's a lot of suffering in my life right now and a lot of grief on for different reasons. And yeah, so I went to the conference like feeling a lot of pain. And at this point in my life where where maybe what what used to kind of soothe no longer soothes. Like what what used to kind of work in my coping is not no longer working. Mm. 
um, in the same way it had for so many years. Like achievement has been one way I've coped and it's lost its, it's lost its meaning in a lot of ways. So it's been a, a crisis of kind of identity and who am, you know, a lot of existential, like who am I and yeah. what, what is this, what is my life? <laughs> what do I want this to be about? And so going to a conference like this just really was intersected for me on a really personal level of kind of trying to figure out who I am now and what my meaning, my sense of meaning is. If it's not all these things I've built my life around, then what what is it? And, you know, this question of in this moment, you know, it was, a, mm-hmm. was that was the theme of the conference. And I I did a lot of reflecting about what, what it is, what is in this moment and for me. And um, we went to a panel on one of the muse days of this group of women who, women who re- reinvented themselves hmm. was the title of the panel and the, Interesting. and the women shared their different stories of reinvention. And there was one woman, um, Wendy McCall, who I resonated with so deeply and just like she is now in my mind and my heart. Um, Who is she? What was she? Um, she's a, she was a business um, executive um, for many years and then stepped away, had a loss in her life and then stepped away from mm-hmm. the business world because um, she could no longer do what she um, had been doing and then has been kind of on this journey of self-discovery and figuring out who she wants to be. And she's just so wise and Mm. vulnerable and strong. It's something that I was talking to Julie and Kara about, like just, wow, you could really feel with her how vulnerability and strength are married. Mm -hmm. And you just, she was so vulnerable, but you could just feel her. She was a rock solid person and her pain was very clear, but her strength was as well. Mm -hmm. So she really touched me. And I think you know, for me, um, this weekend, the timing of this weekend was powerful because I got to be with Julie and Kara yeah. for the weekend. And so here I am in this um, difficult moment in my life. And then I'm with these amazing women. Um, and then beyond Julie and Kara, you know, being at the Muse Conference and <clears throat> all the women there that were in pursuit of something, you know, there, there's a lot of searching happening among the women and I could, I connected with the searching Wow! and they're searching. There's a lot of searching of like, what's the next passion project or what's the next idea I'm going to pursue. And that is not my searching. Currently I've done a lot of passion projects in my life. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I, that, and that kind of is what I'm speaking to is that that is no longer working in the same way. It's not the answer anymore. It's, it's, it's starting to, it's feeling more empty for, for the sole purpose of, pursuit or achievement of that doesn't feel as meaningful um to me um but they're they're it's just feeling really and those things are feeling empty and i'm looking at trans how how do i transform my is there's a lot of transformation happening for me and i all of a sudden have emotions available that i haven't had and i'm really trying to understand that as a gift even though it's like will bring me to my knees at times um, that there's, I'm, I think I'm in a lot of learning right now. There's a lot of, um, 
understanding of myself that I wouldn't have had mm-hmm. if I didn't have it had hadn't have gone through this. Mm-hmm. And so lots of self inquiry mm-hmm. <laughs> happening um, and learning how more to just be with myself than do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What a rarity too to go to a conference and not be speaking. For the right. of you, that's so unusual, mm. and especially hearing what it felt like for you, Lexi. I can't imagine just what it felt like to get to be with your your co business owners and be fed, mm-hmm. and to be really nourished by all of the other women bringing themselves, and to be able to find yourself in some of them, and also to just take them in. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. What about for, for you, Julie, what felt particularly ripe about the timing or did it feel ripe in yeah. a different way? Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. I did cry a lot. Like I'm connecting to that yeah. just in hearing Lexi share and then just kind of connecting to things that meant a lot to me. Um, well, <laughs> Um, Okay, so the the thing that one of the speakers at the end, actually, it was the woman that ended up finishing the day. Mm -hmm. Um, Betty Reed Soskin. Yes. Mm -hmm. What's her name? Betty Reed Soskin. Another person you guys got to check out. Oh, my goodness. Okay, so this is a woman that has reinvented herself constantly in her life. She just She's 96 years old, Mm -hmm. and she actually wasn't even supposed to be the last speaker. There was something that did happen towards the end of planning for this conference and she was called on Tuesday they said um, to come to this and speak on Saturday and she gave so much wisdom in her 96 years but one of the things that she said that I hope I can repeat without crying too much but hope you can understand listeners that what I say here but um, (laughs) it's just that she said wisdom does I don't I've never really believed wisdom comes with age she said I think everything we've known we've known since we were six years old and I love that imagery (laughs) Um, and she said it's just about remembering Mm. it's just about remembering and Mm. I think um in terms of the way that I struggle with just knowing myself and believing in myself and um, believing that I'm offering the best at Opal, but honestly, more my vulnerability right now is as a mom. Yeah. Um, is is offering my best there um, and believing in that um, is just going. Wait, what if what if I can lean into to who I am and all that I was even back at six when I was roller skating on the front, <laughs> <laughs> like with Beth, my best friend, and just like living in that freedom and. Mm. Um, and uh, the core of who I am. So I think I the timing of being able to connect with the wisdom, you know, the the words of so many people. But I think um, the closure of that felt so well timed, and then a very I don't know long and emotional conversation with Lexi and Kara following that about um, my struggles in knowing if I'm parenting my three boys in the ways that I desire and. So I think I I was I at the t- towards the end of it I like so desperately wanted this to be something that um, my boys could be exposed to <laughs> all of these things and and then just recognizing oh, I want community with other moms of boys and how do we bring up our boys in the ways that we want to too so uh, but at this point I'm very grateful for the community that I have of people that you know around me and just the the support that I had um, following that to connect to my roots and trust in. Mm. being who I am in the moment, um, especially when I'm at home Mm. in a place where I'm feeling less secure in my parenting. That is so beautiful. There's a lot of tears in the studio right now. (laughs) 
<laughs> oh, the idea of remembering feels like such a significant one. Yeah. 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 I really resonate with that as well. Yeah. feel touched by that. When I shared some of my poetry in the former episode, so much of my journey too has been not about kind of becoming someone that I don't understand yet, but instead returning to who I was and letting that guide me, knowing that, you know, that gets integrated with all the knowledge of age. Right. But I thought about yeah. that on the, at the conference. Really? Mm-hmm. Your poetry. Oh, thank you. How old was she? 96. And she's, I'm still having new experiences every day. Yeah. Surprised by life. Yeah. Life is just a surprise. That's like kind of her theme. It's amazing. She said, I don't live in the past and I don't live in the future. I just live in this moment. And the conference is, she didn't know that the conference was about in In the moment. moment. (laughs) She didn't even know. Right at the end, she says it. And it's the whole theme. Literally the the closure. It was her last comments. That sounds biblical. (laughs) (laughs) She lived as Betty. (laughs) She's living to Betty. Mm, Beautiful. What about for you, Kara? I, you know, I think right now I'm kind of just taking in Julie and Lexi. (laughs) And I think that is from like more interpersonally, it was such a gift to have that kind of time together. Because, you know, as business, I think a lot of people assume we see each other all the time. We get to talk all the time. But to have just out like some hours together where it was we could just be and let the conversation flow and not be under pressure and be able to to talk things through and get to different layers of it and be there in the depth and the vulnerability of what we're go- what we're going through and I mean that's just really incredible that we got that and I think for me the remembering it was interesting because I think this this gal from Palestine is the one that's in my heart and I right my my remembering was going back to my college self where I went to Jerusalem and that was really what opened the door to even me going into this field. And so I think I was thinking of my 20-year-old self a lot this weekend. Um, and I did a lot of mission trips in college. I did four. I think I did them every summer. It was funny because of my experience being an athlete, I couldn't do travel until the summer because mm. I, I was in season all of the school year. And so the summer was the opportunity that I could go. And and so every summer I went um, abroad. I think that's been a part of me that I've put on hold. And um, it just was really nice to reconnect with that. And, you know, I have that athlete mentality where I can push hard. And I just got done with this big remodel project of my house where it was even more of a push. It was extending myself beyond any limit I've had. And And so to kind of now be on the other side of that project and say, what's this next, what's this next time for me? And I think, um, you know, rest and connecting to rest and pleasure and, and, and in that, like the, the, the imagery of mission trips comes up and investing some, investing in ways that I did in college. So one of the things that I'm hearing is Um, This idea of returning obviously has stayed kind of at the table as we've been talking. And it's interesting that returning also means reinventing at the same time. Um, Not always, but we're sort of shedding layers. Maybe, Maybe not everyone thinks like that. And yeah, it makes me really curious. Are there things that you all want to return to both business wise or otherwise, if that feels like something you'd want to talk about, too? (laughs) <laughs> I have something in my mind. I yeah. I guess the one of the things that we were struck by that 
is true is that we have always said we're going to lead with emotion. Like we are going to be women in leadership and we are going to to do that. And I I do believe that we have done that um, in so many ways throughout our process over these six years. And I think even just in the display of our emotion, even here and in sharing mm-hmm. what we have, there is, there's a bit of, I think there's a bit of a returning to that even among are the three of us and what that would probably mean in the way that we lead. Um, so that is not that it's been gone, but I, there's something about it that I think we again have, are going to be looking at each other going, wait, wait, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, no holding back. So. Yeah. I think that the, I don't, I don't resonate with the word reinventing. I do much more with return. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that is kind of that returning back to self. And I think one of the things that um, Wendy that Lexi was mentioning um, is she just talked about her journey of going back into knowing herself and the intrapersonal work that is difficult for a leader to do because we're outputting so much. We're giving, especially we're business leaders and we're working in the field of mental health. And so we're outputting relationally so much, Mm -hmm. right? So how do we return back to ourselves? How do we know ourselves take care of ourselves, understand where we are in the picture. I mean, that's what you're talking about with your poetry too. Right. Returning to ourselves. And I think I've, I know I've been in that process in therapy for the, in a meaningful way in the last couple of years. And I think that's where even just this new space has opened up to return to myself, even kind of in a different way um, with con- reconnecting with things that have brought me life with thinking about, yeah, that the mission trip work and such. So I really like that kind of shedding layers, returning, working less out of defenses. And one of the, you know, one of the phrases that they gave, I wrote it down at the beginning is they said at the conference, uh, talking about conscious activism versus being reactive. Mm -hmm. And I think that's something that the three of us, it's an invitation for the three of us too, that it's also easy to be reactive in leadership. Um, and, and, you know, I think we've, we've done reactivity. I think we've also done conscious, conscious, you know, conscious activism or conscious leadership. But I, I liked that phrase too, to think about, you know, we have to be, we have to make a lot of decisions and often we have time frames, and, and yet, uh, how do we keep ourselves in the picture, um, and stay grounded? Yeah. I think a good example of that is just even in my role with community relations of going, okay, so the reactive thing, well, we're an eating disorder treatment program. So therefore we do these conferences and we table at this and we spend money on that because that's what people do to like be in the industry. And now we're like in, we're going, wait, what could be more of the conscious activism? Where do we want to partner? Who do we actually intentionally want to partner with and spend our (laughs) $1,500 because that's how much a table costs at a conference for an eating disorder thing. And is that, think about $1,500 goes really far in- It would feed a lot of kids in the imprisonment camp. Exactly. So I think it's just that that is a perfect example in my mind that I keep coming back to of like, who, who do we want to partner in our own community that then would allow the, those monies to impact versus maybe just cycling through the same professionals um, that were then making sure they know about Opal so that their clients can come to Opal to get the care that we think is, is the best. And, you know, that's great. But what if we just also gave and partnered mm. with some folks to do that, that change there right away? Yeah, and the word um, reinvention doesn't—it doesn't fit with my experience of my current state anyway. Yeah, I just see it more as a returning as well, 
um, though I don't know that I was ever here before. <laughs> right. So, so that's where I get. Um, but maybe showing up, core. showing up to self, mm-hmm. something about that, and acceptance. There's something about where I'm at with um, just acceptance and not resistance. Mm-hmm. More of a accepting who I am and ex- accepting who I am and accepting the moments of of suffering mm. instead of pushing pushing them away or denying them just letting them kind of wash over me and really hoping that this is um this I assume that I'm on some path with this and just kind of what was one of the speakers said um uh, we make the road by walking you know just keep keep going and uh see where it takes where it takes me and there, I had some some kind of couple things I would say about the weekend as well is one of one of the um, I did some fun like acceptance stuff of myself where I'm just kind of owning myself more. Um, but it's kind of awkward. I'd say <laughs> <laughs> I want to hear some examples here. <laughs> what are you talking about? Um, okay. Well, the, the one that they were sharing earlier was probably the one of the ones that stands out. But I'm you know I'm not much of a I don't know I I. I connect with people deeply, but not the biggest like chit chat or move around I, the party. I, I lead the social scene yeah. with the three of us. If anyone knows that, <laughs> can you I, tell I, from the way I, that we all talk? I probably not, but when we are in public setting, Julie Church is ensuring oh, that we Kara her. and Lexi are okay, <laughs> yes. and that I am making sure that they yes, get introduced that. to the people <laughs> over here, and that they've got their and wine over like, there and social signaling <laughs> warmth, but. Not saying don't, anything. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, I don't think the the listeners didn't hear what we were talking about earlier. Yeah, but we were so, talking about the the conference and yeah. Lexi, so you said, I there don't was, talk. <laughs> <laughs> there was a um, one night where I was just trying it on, like I'm just going to stand here, and if I'm only going to say something if I have something to say, I'm not going to force <laughs> the whole chit chat thing. Yes. I'm just if I have something, I'll throw it out there, but I haven't had anything for the last half hour. So and guess what? Um, you so- social signal some warm social signaling. Yeah, right. I mean, I feel warm towards yeah. people. It's like that's honest. Yep. And um, <laughs> and then. Um, we were we oh something I would mention mm-hmm. as well as the photograph we did mm-hmm. some photographs this weekend and how that connects up with this moment in our in our lives and yeah we were talking with the photographer and I just wasn't saying anything I think I kind of beat like something <laughs> and we were um, all like Karen and I were like oh Lexi that's gorgeous I love that photo oh look at that awesome love that one you know and Lexi saying nothing <laughs> <laughs> and then at some point the photographer kind of looked at me like oh you said something <laughs> and I said I don't talk very much <laughs> so I just named it putting it out there <laughs> um, so that was a moment I would yeah. not typically do that but it was kind of me I think trying out like just being more like less forced in social situations like I'm this I'm and me. teasing um, yourself a little bit yeah it was it. a little yeah. teasing mm-hmm. yeah yeah but I think also the it's interesting that we did the photography this weekend. So we had our mm-hmm. pictures taken and I'm just so, it's so f- interesting to think about how that intersects with mm. us showing up to ourselves and like having yeah. imagery that connects up with who we are yeah. in this, in this moment. moment. Right. And um, we didn't know that that was going to happen. It was kind of just something we saw. We met somebody who we thought was really cool as a photographer and we needed our pictures taken. So, <laughs> so, <laughs> so we went on with it. it. Yeah. What do you all see in the photos? 
well, they see something different than I do. (laughs) (laughs) But no, I'm, I mean, I'm trying to take in their, with their experiences of me. I'm welcome that. And I certainly, you know, I've talked about, you know, I just, I have a hard time understanding who I am or connecting up how others experience me with my own experience of me. Mm-hmm. And it, photographs will kind of bring that, brought that out in, in, in yet another way. Mm. I mean, it's just one of the ways I think that there's a disconnect for me. And so, so when I say owning myself, I'm yeah. trying to understand how I'm, how others experience me more in the world. And if that experience is actually more resonant to who I am mm. than my own understanding of myself. And when I have trusted people in my life, I can, take more of that feedback in, you know, I, I know that they're not BSing me, you know, mm-hmm. and I can say, whoa, maybe I'm the one that's not getting it here. Mm-hmm. So that process of receiving receptivity and openness, I feel like because of my emotional state right now, I'm super, re- I'm a sponge for any, like <laughs> I will consider most of anything because I'm searching, searching, searching for understanding. So I th- I'm in a really tender place with feedback and what the world reflects back to me yeah I love the idea of you being a sponge right now Mm -hmm. and I also of course not knowing so many specifics I'm so curious like I hope you're taking in good things (laughs) (laughs) sounds like you are yeah it's a good time to surround myself with good people I mean I get a sponge for anything so (laughs) (laughs) better be good really south (laughs) no toxic (laughs) waste I think think Julie and I are good (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> good people good people mm-hmm. <laughs> giving her feedback thanks for listening we're so glad you joined us for this episode and thank you to Jack Straw Cultural Center for Sound Engineering to Aaron Davidson for the Appetite's unique music and to Opal's very own Sarah Taylor for production assistance and editing please follow along with upcoming episodes of The Appetite by subscribing on your podcast app If you like the show, it would really mean a lot to us if you'd leave a review. This helps others find our content more easily, and it just gives us a sense of who's listening, because we love to connect. If you would rather connect, though, via email, we're also available there, so reach out to us at theappetite at opalfoodandbody.com. You can leave us comments or ask us questions or even give us any ideas for upcoming episodes. To find more about Opal itself, you can visit us at www.opalfoodandbody.com or you can connect to Opal on Facebook or Twitter. Talk to you next time. <laughs> <laughs>